Hey friends, this is Pastor Jeremy Bass. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 10, verses 7-8 through 8 says this, Jesus is saying, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be healed from physical, emotional, and spiritual trauma. In response to this truth, our church takes a monthly intentional Sunday night to ask the Lord to heal us, our community, and our church. We begin in worship, listen to a teaching on healing, and then have an open altar time for intentional prayer. Healing ministry tends to have a reputation of ecstatic shouting, but God's desire to heal us simply comes from His deep love and compassion for us. That love is often so much more gentle than we realize. This is one of our teachings from our Healing and Prayer Night, so let's explore this topic together. So tonight's teaching is going to be a bit different than normal if you've come to a Healing and Prayer service before. Um, usually what we do is we take a miracle of Jesus and we exegete the text. Today is going to be a bit more of a, a teaching, uh, so less examination of Scripture and more of talking about a theology of Scripture. So tonight I'm going to be talking about the five ways that God heals. So this was a lecture that my professor in seminary uh, gave me that I am now giving to y'all. Uh, because it starts out with the fundamental truth that God desires to heal us, that really the question is, is how does the Lord want to heal? So we start off with this base understanding that God desires to heal, and really it's just a question of how. So there are five different ways that we're going to unpack about how God heals. The first is the kind of the miraculous way that God heals. So when you think about the miracles of Jesus, the miracle of supernatural healing is one of the ways that God heals. So these are kind of like your classic miracles that you see in Scripture. So when Jesus supernaturally heals someone by speaking to them, this is what we think of of a miracle or a healing in uh, the miraculous sense. And when we come to a healing and prayer service like this, I think we often maybe put God a bit in a box and say this is the only way that God can heal us when I think that there's a lot of different ways that God can heal. And so God does still heal through the miraculous and the supernatural. I don't want to uh, toss that aside because I feel like that that's something we've lost in American Christianity. But it's just one of the ways that God heals. So a good example of this would be like you pray for someone and their leg grows back. Um, you know, just that supernatural, super miraculous. This can be done in an instant in a healing service like this, or it can be done over a period of time. So like you pray for a disease or a sickness for a few months, and then it goes away bit by bit by bit over a period of few months. Or you pray for something within your heart, within your soul, and it takes a few months for God to do the miraculous work within you. And so it, this can either be an instant moment like that, or it can be over time, and that doesn't take away from the miracle that Jesus does in your life. So that's the first way of doing it. Uh, the second way that God heals is the miracle of modern medicine. The miracle of modern medicine. That I believe that modern medicine is a gift from God. Uh, when 
When the Lord gives Adam and Eve the creation mandate, which is go and have dominion over the created realm, I believe part of that um, included after the fall, uh, the discovery of the ways that God created the natural order to bring healing to our bodies. Um, in the Old Testament, you don't see a lot of talk about doctors because in the Old Testament, doctors were often, think of like witch doctors. They were associated with the cult, the occult and the demonic, and so there's not a lot of talk of doctors in the Old Testament. Um, but in the New Testament, the writer Luke, the person who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he was a doctor in church tradition. And the Lord didn't ask Luke to give up being a doctor once he became a Christian. And when we think about the history of the church and the history of Christianity, a lot of hospitals were founded by Christians. One of the, some of the first hospitals were founded by Christians who st saw it as their mandate to care for and love on the sick. Um, one of my professors, or the same professor that gave me this lecture, said that um, he was praying. He had some uh, chronic disease. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he prayed for God to heal him through this supernatural way, and he prayed and prayed and prayed for I think years before. Um, anything happened. And then finally he went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, well, we have this new experimental drug. All you need to do is take this pill every single day and that should take care of your symptoms that you're having. And he was wrestling with the Lord because he was like, Lord, is, am I being unfaithful by taking this medicine? Lord, should I just keep persevering in prayer until you decide to heal me? And he said, what Jesus said is this is the way that I'm going to heal you is through this pill that this doctor has prescribed you. And so he said what he does every single day before he takes his pill is he says a short prayer, Lord Jesus, thank you for the healing that comes through this medicine. Thank you for the wisdom for the doctors who discovered it and for uh, the power that it can bring in my body. And then he takes it every single day. That modern medicine can be a way that God heals um, the third way that God heals is the healing power of the human body. So think, for instance, you get a cut on your skin, the blood clots, and the cut heals on its own. Uh, you can pray for God to supernaturally heal the cut, um, but I think most of the time the Lord's going to say, you know what, your body's going to fix itself. I don't think I really need to intervene here. Uh, whenever I get a head cold, that tends to be the Lord's response when I ask for healing. He's like, you know what? You need a break. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take three days on me? I'm not going to supernaturally heal you now. Just let your body fully recover. That the Lord, in his wisdom, uh, made it so that we, our bodies can do a lot of healing on their own. Um, Dr. Siemens talked about that, though, that sometimes that there are things within our souls and our spirits that prevent that healing from happening. And he's shared stories before of, uh, uh, there was this woman, I think, that got into a car accident, and she always had this chronic pain in her um, arm that never went away, even though physically there was nothing wrong with her arm, but she still had this chronic pain in her arm. And so Dr. Siemens was doing a healing prayer session with her, and he discovered that her sister had died in the car accident um, I think I'm butchering the story. I'm misremembering details. But basically, their sibling died in the car accident. And she always felt guilty that she survived and all she got was a broken arm, whereas her sister died. 
And she felt the Lord say, or Dr. Seamus felt the Lord say, I really think that you need to forgive yourself and ask God to remove the guilt that you have over your sister's death. And so the Lord did a really powerful healing in that woman's heart and in that woman's soul and in her mind. And she went to Dr. Siemens a few weeks later and says, like, my, my arm just, like, fixed itself. Like, there was no, no more pain in it that the forgiveness and the healing that happened in her soul led to um, the healing that happened in her body. In the West, uh, the Western Christianity and uh, our secular age, we often tend to make a harsh distinction between our bodies and our souls, when in Scripture there are a lot more intertwined, that what affects our bodies can affect our souls. Uh, we know that part when we get a bad diagnosis from the doctor. It affects our inner emotional life. It affects our soul. But yet we often don't think of it as the reverse. If our soul is in a bad state, it can also affect our body. But it's this give and take, this back and forth, that the body is something that's meant to be taken care of. Fourth way that God heals, and these are kind of the more harder uh, points of healing, is when God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And this comes from 2 Corinthians 12. Now I want to read this because I think this is a, this is a text that's often taken out of context for us. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will, go on, uh, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up in paradise and heard inex inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I say or do, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So basically what Paul's saying is, 14 years ago, Jesus showed me what heaven's like. Um... And I could share it to you, but I'm not. Verse 7, uh, verse 8. And because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me. Three times a day I pleaded with, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And one of the ways that God heals is he gives us grace in the midst of our suffering. That sometimes the Lord gives us grace to bear our suffering, joy in the midst of affliction, as it's talked about in the Christian tradition. Fundamentally, it's important for us to remember that we serve a God who went down from the heavenly realms, who was born into a muddy stable, laid in a food trough so that he could die on a cross, a bloody, terrible death for our sins. Truth is that sometimes it's suffering, that in times of suffering, we are transformed in our inner being, that we become more and more like Jesus. Now, I don't believe that this means that God causes suffering, but I believe that God uses suffering to transform us and redeem us. 
that the Christian life talks about, um, you know, we, we proclaim that the kingdom of God has come, and we see the kingdom of God has come when we see signs and wonders and miracles. So the kingdom of God has already come, but at the same time, we hold these two truths in tension that the kingdom of God has already come, but it's not yet come in its fullness. And we see that when the Lord tells us to be patient in affliction, to bear affliction with joy, that my grace is sufficient for you. You know, it's interesting with this passage is uh, Paul uh, gets that message from the Lord after he does the pleading with God. Um, I think so oftentimes we're really quick to go to that passage and say, if anything bad is happening in my life, the Lord just wants me to resign to it and be told my grace is sufficient for you and I'm just going to deal with the suffering. But it's only after Paul pleads with God that he gets the message, my grace is sufficient for you. And so I think it's important for us to not neglect that step of going and pleading with God and asking him to pour out a sign and wonder and a miracle in our life. And what's interesting, too, is that the answer that Paul gets, that when we read it, may seem on the surface like it's not satisfactory, but when Paul gets it, it satisfies him. Because his response after this is, "'Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness.'" That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That when Christ, if Christ says to us, my grace is sufficient for you, it's a personal grace. And you'll know when it comes because it leads to joy in the midst of affliction. Resignation and surrender are not the same thing. Resignation comes before the pleading, and it comes uh, before the grace has been given to us. And resignation is not what God asks of us. Sometimes in affliction, God asks us for surrender. And it's when we surrender, when the Lord asks us to surrender to him, that that's when that supernatural grace comes. Sometimes joy in the midst of great affliction is a way that God brings healing into our lives. And then the final way that God brings healing into our lives is the miracle of a, of a victorious death. The miracle of a victorious death. That death can be a form of healing. Um, Dr. Siemens pointed this out, and it's something you, you like know in your head, but you never really think about until someone points it out. Uh, every single person that Jesus healed died. Even Lazarus, the person that the Lord raised back up from the dead, still died. And it's not until the final resurrection that we have our final healing. Um, I think that in the West, we become so afraid of death, afraid of the unknown, afraid of um, thinking of death as healing. Um, but throughout the scriptures, it talks about how um, in this life, we are just passing through to our ultimate destination. That one day we will have new bodies that will never decay, never fade, never experience heartache, never experience pain. And that is the hope of Christ ultimately. So that all the afflictions that we suffer will one day be no more. John Wesley said that, he, uh, John Wesley was a weird dude. 
Um, he was obsessed with watching people die. Maybe obsessed is a too strong of a word. He always wanted to be there on people's deathbed as they died. And what he noticed is, and he would write down all these accounts of people dying, and he noticed a pattern over a while that the people who were Methodists died well. Um, there's something, there's a powerful witness about dying well, knowing who you belong to, knowing where you're going, knowing that you are swept up in the arms of God and a loving, merciful God. So I want to close this uh, teaching part before we go on um, to our open altar time. It's a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, The Last Battle. I think it's actually the very last lines in the Chronicles of Narnia. And I think this, perf- this really uh, is a great way to capture uh, the idea of death as being a healing in our lives. C.S. Lewis wrote this, And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read. And that story goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before it. So friends, we we go to this open altar time now because the kingdom of God has come into our midst. If Jesus stirred your heart through this word, I would encourage you to reach out to myself or our church. Part of the outpouring of this ministry is individual prayer appointments, where we really dig into the situations you're struggling with. We do this with you and a small prayer team. Receive this blessing, friends. Go forward knowing that God loves you, and His desire to heal you is born out of His deep love and compassion for you.